Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Anders Varner. Anders, welcome to the podcast. How we doing, man? Uh, I can we're be awesome, here. man. We're It's bright and early in the morning. We're going to have yeah. a great conversation. I'm looking forward to uh, digging into some things with you. Uh, before we get to kind of your backstory, Anders, I would like to know, how do you start your day? Uh, well, that depends upon what time children wake up, which is usually at 6 a.m. Uh, well, one of them is going to wake up at 6 a.m. And due to, I'll tell you the exact story because it involves something I'm super stoked on right now. Um, I played ice hockey from the age of three to 18 and then played that game all the way to the end. And having children put you up at very strange hours of the night uh, for the last five years. And when my son was born basically two years ago, um, I'm just sitting downstairs rocking him back to sleep at whatever 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, turned on ESPN3, started watching the NHL and found out there's a guy, two guys named Connor McDavid and um, Leon Dreisaitl that play for the Edmonton Oilers. And now I can't stop watching the NHL and the Edmonton Oilers. And it's the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. So the way that I start every day, because those are all West Coast games, uh, is at 6 a.m. when my son wakes up, I turn on a big pot of coffee and I have nothing to do for like an hour and a half until my daughter wakes up and my wife wake up. So I watch, uh, I watch the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs and I've watched basically every single game this year in, in like 10 minute increments of the highlight reels on YouTube because I'm just awake and it is absolutely incredible watching those guys play hockey. Love it, man. Love it. Now, Three kids, did you have a little bit more, uh, I guess, for lack of better terminology, like dialed in morning routine? <clears throat> or have you kind of always just had like a more of a, a loose routine or a loose morning, so to speak? Yeah. Um, man, I'm out on the, I've been on the grind for so long that all that stuff, um, although I think about it, it's not necessarily like part of my identity at all. Um, I, own, I own gyms for six years. And if you own gyms, you wake up early. I was up and out of bed at 4.30 in the morning every day for 5.30 a.m. classes. Um, I wasn't even coaching them. It's just my job to be there and shake hands and make people happy. Um, and I just never I never wanted to miss those, those people that showed up at that hour, just being grateful that they were there and wanted to show the love. So multiple days a week, I was up there seeing them, just making sure everything was good and 4.30 a.m. wake up call at the gym at 5.30, DMX in your ear. You don't have much time to hit the cold the cold plunge and meditate and, and do all those things. Um, it's not that I didn't have any routine and, and want to do those things. It's just they end up happening like later in the day. Like um, I'd rather wake up hitting the ground running. And right now that involves parenting. It used to involve uh, high fives and handshakes at the gym. Um, I'd rather just wake up and, and get to work and do the thing that's the most important thing than wait an hour and, and like do my meditate. That stuff's cool. Having a purpose that you just can't stop chasing. is probably paramount to that in my, in my book. Okay. Love it, man. Um, if there's more than one for this next question, please feel free to share, or maybe it's one that, uh, you've recently read, but, uh, do you have a favorite book or an all time, uh, great book that you would like to recommend? Yeah, I think, uh, Man, the the talent code 
um, is probably it's the one that I always say when people ask me what to read and, and mainly just because it's, uh, it's like the blueprint on learning how to learn <clears throat> and it gets into the physiology of, um, what happens when you learn how to accelerate learning. Um, and, and really just understanding that like quality reps is, is all that matters in anything in life. Um, you're never going to be good at anything until you've done it thousands and thousands of times. So if you think you're just going to wake up one day and be good at fitness, you're many thousands of workouts away. If you think that you're going to just be lean and have abs, you're thousands of meals away. Um, if you're trying to make a lot of money, you're thousands of reps away from either selling things or building things, or just doesn't matter. Um, and, and the, the book does a great job of just teaching the, the fundamentals, uh, really in the physiology, the hardware that we have in our body of like how we learn, um, how we get better at learning, how we get faster at learning, how we create those pathways for learning. And you can understand how to learn and, and, and know the, and at least be inspired by the process of learning. Everything else is attainable because it's just about learning how to do it. Mm, excellent. What life lesson have you been taught in the last year? Uh, maybe it's been the last six months over the last couple of years, but what's kind of a, a life lesson that you feel like you've learned within uh, recent times, Anders? Um, yeah, I could probably, uh, I could probably put this into like many, many different genres. Um, I'm assuming many people here listening to this show are probably interested in like business, fitness, things like that. Um, and probably a lot of coaches. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll tailor it hopefully a little bit more towards the audience in that. Um, I think that for the first time in my life, I've realized that like true expertise is, is the, is the gold standard that will change your life. And it just takes a long time to get there. Um, I, uh, I've been in fitness for, I just turned 40 and I started lifting weights when I was 13 if you do the math on that, it's 27 years of being a meathead, uh, 13 years owning businesses in the fitness industry. And this is truly the first time that I feel like I've ever done anything that was um, like truly world-class and worked with truly world-class people. Um, I've worked with very people that are very good at what they do for sure. And I've tried to be very good at what I do. Uh, but the difference between being um, widely recognized as a world-class performer um, is the thing that is going to catapult you into what you want your life to be. Um, and that could be financial, that could be, um, it could be just general respect in the industry. Um, I think a lot of people are trying to like find the, the secret switch. Like there's no way that you're not getting every ad on Instagram. Like I do of like make 10 K a month. And they're trying to, they're going to charge you $20,000 so you can make $10,000 in month one and $10,000 in month two, and then $10,000 in month three. And then all of a sudden at the end of that, you've got, you've spent 20 grand, you made 30 and there's nothing wrong with that because you need to go learn how to actually make money. Um, but if you also just uh, try to be extremely good at what you did for a decade, um, I think that that path and the respect that you gain with people um, I think that that gets you, it, it may not seem like the fastest path. Um, but I think that when you hit the gas pedal, because you've put in that much work over time that you, you truly go, that's, that's when the rocket ship takes off is when, uh, the general consensus is that you are the best in the world at what you do. And there's a, there's a, a very tiny market for that. Um, 
And I think that that's, that's probably the, the lesson of the last two years to me. Now, just to pull back a couple more layers from that, because this is fascinating to me, what you just shared, Anders, was there a specific light bulb moment or situation or <clears throat> undertaking that you were involved with that kind of like uh, enlightened you to what you just shared? If so, what what was that? Yeah, I um, I mean, so there and, and every entrepreneur can probably say this, but there's a there's a, a long trail. There's a giant graveyard of uh, the next cool idea, the next uh, training program, the next framework, the next nutrition, the next cut your carbs, the next cut the fat. Nobody ever cuts protein because they know that that's dumb. Um, but like there's there's a whole lot of people playing in the middle. And it's not because they're like playing in the middle on purpose. They think what they're doing is great. They think their program's great. They're, they think that all this stuff is great. Um, what's happened over the last two years is I, I was one of those people um, that sure i could i could go affect and in a very positive way and get people to lose weight and 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 do um and and improve their lives 100% um when you when you the thing that you don't know is how how far that game can be played when you start getting into exercise science when you start getting into physiology when you start getting into lab testing when you start getting into like truly understanding the in like the, the inputs, the outputs, subjective ratings, performance metrics, like how how big of an intake process, how much information can you gather? How do you use that information to then design programs? Um, and, and specificity matters. Um, broad general recommendations, I think are, are fantastic for an overwhelming number of people, especially people that are unhealthy and sick and, um, and, and really just need to start and, and know the basics. Um, but what do you do with a group of people that already know the basics? They're already working really, really hard, but they still want to go play. They still want to go climb like Mount Everest of health, Mount Everest of performance. What does it look like when, um, what does it look like when like a real pro athlete shows up and says, I'm number five in the world. How do I get to number one? And, um, when I started working with, I mean, I've known Galpin forever and Galpin's been uh, on like the, the fast track to where he is today for many, many years. It's, it's very obvious. Um, I didn't know who Dan Garner was, um, but those two guys are just straight up killers, like straight up killers. Um, and which forces me in, in the role that I play in the business to be an absolute killer too. And um, because if you don't step into that role, then you get left behind and you got to go play back with the masses again. Um and that's really been like the the biggest turning point is seeing how how our business has taken off, how how just um, the, there's a different type of person that shows up asking for your help when you move out of like fat loss building muscle to optimizing health and performance. Um, because the people that are going to show up when you're when you're respected as somebody that is the best in the industry. Um, is a very different client than someone that says, Hey, can you help me lose 20, 30, 40 pounds? Like, Hey, I'm obese. And my doctor said, I'm going to get diabetes. How, what do I do? And you put them on. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Those thousands and thousands of coaches, tens of thousands of coaches are helping hopefully millions of people um, live healthier lives by doing that. What happens though, when you have somebody and this, this has happened to me, like what happens, what happens when you get a client to lose you know, 40 pounds in six months and they're super happy. And then they go to the doc and 
they still have a bunch of internal issues going on. And you go, well, that's not supposed to, that's not supposed to be like that. Like we just got you healthy and now you have to have some like real intervention. You have to have like a real understanding of why root cause issues of what's going on. Root cause issue. Number one is like, you got to go lose 40 pounds. And so we can just like get to the, get to understand what's going on, get rid of all the inflammation and all that. Um, but we've had clients that have lost the 40 pounds and then we go and things don't just still don't feel right. They don't have the energy. They don't have the libido. They don't have, and then it's like, Oh, well, your testosterone's off. And then you go, well, why, why is your testosterone off? And I think that that, like, if you ask why enough, the, the root cause of all this is something is jacked up in your physiology. And in order to get, be able to go and fix that stuff, you have to bear, have a very extensive knowledge. And, um, and that's really been like the, the, kind of the turning point in our business has been um, being widely respected as some of the best in the industry and, and working with those people. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very real thing. Um, there's, um, there's real, there's real ninjas in the world. They exist. And if you aren't one of those people, like, I don't think that I personally am one of those people that can sit down and just like understand physiology and sitting in academia and learning and running stuff. That's not who I am at all. I don't want to be that. It bores the crap out of me. Um, I respect it, but it bores me. I can't, I like, I don't read research papers because I get through like three lines of them. I'm like, nobody wrote this for me. Like, this doesn't sound fun. This doesn't sound like I'm playing a game in the gym with my friends and talking shit and trying to get stronger. Like none of this aligns with, but there's a massive role for that. And there's a massive place for that. And when you're widely accepted as and respected in that category as best in class, um, it's worth putting in those 15 years uh, to get there and and really go play that game. Okay. One other thing, you, you're kind of already touching on it without uh, necessarily saying it, but um, again, kind of going back to this uh, true expertise uh, life lesson over the last couple of years that you're talking about, I want you to just dig a little bit deeper or pull back some layers for us in terms of uh, how, you know, as you pursue being an expert in whatever you want to pursue, how how valuable it is to have the right people in your corner, um, networking, connecting, whatever words or terminology you want to use, but just having other humans in your corner to do this with or alongside. How valuable, how important is that, Anders? Yeah. Uh, well, it's massively important. I mean, the most important person in all of it is going to be whoever you decide to spend the rest of your life with. Um, there's, um, our life is very good right now. Um, but everybody in, in our industry, specifically in fitness, um, everybody in the world, I should say, and then specifically in fitness, uh, three years ago, basically had the easiest excuse in the world to go out of business. Um, they shut all the gyms down. No one would blame you if you went out of business. Um, and by the end of the pandemic, we had just, um, we had exhausted our entire business model was selling things to gyms. And when they got a business, you start scrambling. Um, and two years after that day, when everything got shut down, um, I basically had to cut my salary to zero. I shouldn't say basically, I did cut my salary to zero. Uh, we, we were shrugged was about to go bankrupt. Like we were, we were, we were under. Uh, we couldn't pay our bills. I, I shouldn't say that. We could only pay our bills. We only had two. We had like a, a, a half-time bookkeeper um, that was just there because she loved us and wanted us to 
like get through this. Um, it's funny because I, I actually ended up going and taking some of those courses um, to just learn how to sell different types of products because what we were doing just wasn't working and we needed to restart our business. Um, but throughout all of that, like my wife has just been like the rock. Like she's, she's legitimately um, like uh, she has been the financial investor into just our family to keep it going many times because uh, most ideas suck. And you don't realize those ideas suck until one, they fail. And then two, you have an idea that's really good. And you realize why all of the other ideas like just didn't, they, they didn't work. Um, the, the next piece of that, like past, um, the next piece of that past, like your spouse and, and having that support and, and having somebody that can be like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a pretty risky investment. Like most of us don't, it doesn't work. Um, most people are able to like, uh, scratch by, make a living. Um, but the idea of like, um, being in a place where you could like invest, um, like get rental properties or, or really make like a, a, a financial, um, like some sort of generational wealth sounds crazy, but like something that you could like, like a, like some sort of legacy type life that you could pass on to your children and teach them how to use these instruments for good. Um, that's a really hard thing in, in our industry and it's in every industry. I just specifically know about fitness. Um, having somebody that has that stability because entrepreneurs are such risky assets in their families and anything could happen. Like AI really could put us all out of business very quickly. Um, like that's, if, if, if you're, if you're a fat loss specific coach, or body transformation coach, you you are in. It's going to be very hard over the next decade to find your place, um, and that that may be for us as well. I'm not I'm not saying we're above that because I don't know how crazy this thing gets, but um, anybody can go to Chat GPT and just type in some constraints about their life that they've had knee surgeries, blah blah blah. Write me write me a six week workout plan with this goal in mind, here are my lifts. And it's just going to spit it all out to you, write the nutrition program to go with it. It spits it all out to you. It's super simple. Um, the, the, the next piece past your, um, uh, wife. And then is, is really like putting yourself in positions and that could radically change your life. Um, after I sold my gym, like I've had like, um, had very strange encounters in my life that I've been able to actually capitalize on very well. Um, like I, I was training partners with John Cena for four years and that, that dude just showed up to my gym one day and I was like, rad, I got a new guy to lift weights with that's big and strong and likes li Olympic lifting. So I'm going to try and train with that guy every time he's here. And four years later, um, we developed like a very cool friendship and, um, he was like a small, and I shouldn't say small. He was a massive investor. It's just small to him, uh, investor in my gym and, and basically outfitted the whole thing for us with brand new equipment. And like, it was like stuff that stuff that if I didn't, um, kind of like recognize the opportunity that was right in front of my face to just understand how somebody like that lives their life and be generally curious and, and want to help them along their way and feel like I had the ability to help them. Like, I was, I was confident enough in myself that I was able to like truly believe that he came in to train every day. And if he trained with me, then 
it was going to be a better training session. So I trained with him. Um, but putting yourself, being, being, putting yourself around places like that to build the confidence that you are worthy of that conversation or that network or whatever that is. Um, that's really like how I, I landed at Barbell Shrugged. Like uh, Doug and, and Mike at the time, Mike Bledsoe at the time, were running. Um, they were running like entrepreneur breakfast, like 40 minutes north of where I lived. Um, but I owned multiple gyms at the time. Like I didn't have time to go sit at a 40 minute breakfast every Friday with a bunch of people that are like just sort of casually trying to have breakfast and like hope something happens. So I walked in there and I was like, I have one shot to make friends with these dudes and, and just learn from them. So I didn't go sit at the end of the table. Like I'm assuming most people would do and like hope somebody says something to them. Like I sat right next to them. Um, and my goal was not to be at breakfast every Friday. My goal was to be at breakfast one time, make two friends, get them into a gym scenario, which I thrive in and make them my training partners. And that's what happened. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have time to beat around the bush. Like, I want to go in there, eat breakfast, get some laughs, shake some hands, and then look at the guys that I want to learn from the most and go, yo, I got a gym down here. You guys are down. If you want to come train, you're in San Diego anytime. Just drop in. Let me know. Let's do it. Uh, if you guys are training and need someone to lift weights with, call me. Like, I'm there. Just Let's just do it. Um, and which later allowed me to be a co-host on Barbell Shrugged, which later turned me into the CEO of Barbell Shrugged, uh, taking an ownership stake in it, um, and and then Mike leaving and, and then becoming the CEO. And you can't do that stuff without a a, a, a real confidence. In, um, and I, I can tie this into the beginning. Like I have a confidence that my wife is a badass and is, is really like the stable rocks. So I'm able to go take chances. I don't have to worry about failing as much. Um, I'm, I'm confident in myself because of past experiences that I can sit right next to the people that I want to talk to the most and provide value to that environment and know exactly what I want to get out of it so that I'm not just fumbling around at the end of the table, hoping something happens. It's I'm either going to get in here and, and find two training partners or I'm not. And that's all they're like, or I'm on to the next thing. Um, it's either supposed to happen or not, but it's not because I'm not trying and I'm not aggressive and I'm not confident in myself. Um, and, and it turns into barbell shrugged. And then once you get into barbell shrugged, you stop everything you're doing, even though financially the company's in, in free fall, but now you have the opportunity to, um, you have a network that is bigger than everybody else's. And now I have the ability to, um, meet anyone. I've got a massive asset that everybody wants to be a part of. And I get to steer the ship in the direction of that our company needs to go. Um, so the network is massive. And part of that network is Andy Galpin and interviewing him four or five times, six times over the last couple of years, um, developing a friendship, hanging out in Austin with him at, at Palo FX. Um, there's, there's like many things that happen. Um, where you're just always connected to people, even though you're not in their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then that's how I met Dan Garner as well. Like I texted Galpin. I said, who's the best urologist that understands testosterone? Because some we were just doing a bunch of testosterone shows at the time. And he was like, absolutely, Dan Garner. It has to be, it's the only person that you should learn from. Um, and as soon as I met that dude, I was like, yep, you're truly world-class. You're truly 
uh, one of the best in the business. I've talked to all the people. I know them all. Um, and you are different. And signed up for his program. Eight months later, um, I don't even know if it was that long, but I basically called a meeting with him and Galpin. And I said, bros, we're going to do some cool shit. And 18 months later, rapid health optimization is kicking ass and, and we're doing really well. Awesome. Okay. That was a really long answer. That Basically, the most important thing you can do is marry somebody that has your back, no matter how hard it gets. And then two, because you have that, now you have the base of support and the confidence in yourself to be able to go out and take risks and figure out how good you can be at something and, and build that network. Because once you have that network, it opens doors to a very large network and, and allows you to go really try to be great at something. Mm. Thorough. I love it. Okay. Last question in terms of kind of the conversational starters, and we're going to kind of get into your backstory a little bit more, Anders. Uh, do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? Couldn't tell you a single one. I I honestly, I've had this, people ask me this question. I have never, ever like looked at a quote and been inspired. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm sure that applies to life. I don't remember any of them. I, I'm not... Uh, Judging, uh, not even judging from my last answer. I'm much more into the process of my last answer than uh, needing a motivational quote in the morning to like fire me up. Um, I just don't, I wish I could remember some, especially off the top of my head when I get asked, but I, I really don't have any, anything. You're, 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 you're being candid. That's, that's all I asked for. So yeah. Good. <laughs> okay. Um, let's transition. I want to get a little bit into, um, cause a, a lot of, the people that are going to listen to this, we, we know the barbell shrug stuff. We kind of know the Anders through maybe the last 10 years, right? Because you've been kind of at the forefront of, of some different things. But in terms of childhood, in terms of the environment that you kind of grew up in, would you paint that picture a little bit for us? Talk about extracurricular activities, sports, parents, siblings. What were you like uh, in school as a young person? Just uh, kind of give us a, a snapshot, Anders. Uh, of those younger years up to about high school, and then we'll move on from there. Yeah. Um, I was just a kid that liked playing sports. Um, and I say that uh, I was a kid that liked playing sports a lot. And I didn't just, like, play street hockey. Um, I, like, played street hockey to win. And every day we played to win. Um, like, many many of my family members have have told me on many occasions, it's like, you didn't, you didn't go out to go like play home run derby. You came home as if you just played like game seven of the world series. And it was every single day of my life is all I cared about was just playing sports really, really hard. Um, I, I didn't like school. I didn't really care about school. The only reason I went to school was because my parents told me that I couldn't play sports unless I made honor roll. So I made honor roll. Um, my parents are awesome. Um, they really, really are awesome. Like, um, there's probably no reason to get emotional here, but, uh, they're insanely supportive of what we do. They've created two kids. My sister went to Princeton, played D one softball, uh, Villanova law school. We're like, we're just like a regular ass family. Like, uh, I would say I would be lucky to think that more than five of the 14 years I lived at home, we made more than a hundred thousand dollars. And as a family, um, like a normal ass family that lived in a cul-de-sac with a bunch of kids that wanted to throw down every day. And my parents just, uh, I don't know what kind of credit card debt I moved out of the house with. 
Um, but there was never a time where I was worried about having what I needed. Um, I, I got to go on every sports trip. I got to go on. Um, they just made it work and they worked their asses off and uh, probably like still to this day, like the coolest thing. Um, now, were your parents entrepreneurs or or what did they kind of do career-wise or job-wise, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, the, my my mom uh, ran four daycares. Uh, she didn't own them, but she she was like the, the director, or like regional, whatever, for four or five schools throughout Virginia from Roanoke all the way to Virginia Beach. And then um, the um, and then my dad just, he was in sales, so um kind of bounced around here and there would find some like really good gigs for a while um but um I, I don't my mom was in daycare she was like the stable rock for you know she's retired and still is in it 35 years later or something like that and then my dad is um just yeah he's been in sales and, and had, had I mean he's retired now but um yeah there's nothing like uh there's nothing like overly glamorous about my outside of the fact that like I had two parents that literally just would kill themselves for the kids and um, pretty awesome. Now you mentioned uh, being a young person when, it, when you were involved in sports and, and things like that, like you, you just wanted to win, right? Like that's all you cared about doing the best that you can. Now, is that something that was uh, like you, you, you gleaned from your parents or do you feel like that's something innate within you? And then expounding on that, do you feel like winning in that mentality that you've had from a very young age is something that we can learn? Or again, is that something that we're kind of born with, if you don't mind touching on that? Uh, well, being competitive in my household or when I was a kid, it was just like we every day was like a battle. Um, like my sister and I are still to this day extremely competitive with each other even though we don't see each other that much, we just only talk crap to each other on text message. Like we're supportive of each other's kids, but um, I mean, she's a high powered attorney in Philadelphia and I will never ever give her credit for anything. Um, and every time I say we're doing something good, she's like, Oh cool. I'm glad that working out things paying off. Like there's just, um, Um, yeah, it's, it's just been in there. Like my, my mom was a competitive gymnast. She owned a gymnastics gym for a while. Uh, when I was first born, um, my dad had like part of, I feel like every salesperson that's ever lived has probably just found a widget and called themselves an entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, they're, um, competition matters. It's, it's literally ingrained in us and, and people like to hide from it. Um, and you absolutely should want to win. Um, it doesn't mean that every game that you play is a zero sum game, but you should try to be the best. And that means that every day you have to work really, really hard to be good at a specific skill, um, and, and be very focused over a very long period of time. Um, but I think the competition like really matters. Um, I think that winning is, is a very important trait to learn about. I think that when you, when you don't, when you don't play, a focus on on winning allows you to take things seriously. And if you don't take things seriously and there aren't stakes involved, you're never going to improve. Like there's 
your brain isn't even fully developed at all when you're a kid. Like you're just developing a brain. You're not, it's not even like you're even close. You're, to, you're five years old. You're 20 years away from having a prefrontal cortex. Like you need to have something that says you did good today and winning matters. Um, I think that's really important. I think that kids that aren't, that don't play sports, that don't have to face losing, that don't have to face getting better, um, that don't have to like face the challenges that go along with saying you didn't do enough today. And you can, you can either hide from that or you can try and go get better. And if you learn how to do that at six years old, you're probably going to have a better future because you're used to losing. You're used to that, that setback. You're used to that self-reflection of going, well, I guess I got to go get better. And, um, and then on top of that, you also learn when you do win that you're winning in a pond that's very small. And that was like the turning point really of my life is realizing like, I'm only good at the things that I'm doing because I'm playing in a very small pond with a bunch of people that suck. And this, as soon as you, as soon as you go find the bigger pond or the, the next pond or whatever it is, the next time you, you, you level up your skill set to find out how big the world is, that's when the, that's when the journey really begins. Like there's, there's an unbelievable, like, I, I don't even know what size hometown you're from, but if you grow up in a hometown that's got 15,000 people in it and you're the best baseball player, well, guess what? You suck. You suck. And what you need to do is go find a better place to ba play baseball, like Miami. Go to Miami. See how good you are at baseball. That's it's you, you're not good. You have to go get better. But if you don't ever, if you don't seek that out, if you don't try to understand how to get better, or or like how do I play this game at at a, at a level that matters more, um, probably just don't develop those skills. You don't develop that curiosity of how how good could you be if you tried to be world-class at something. And um, I think it matters. I think it matters a lot. I think a lot of people just um, are okay with where they are and that's fine. Like I'm, you don't have to live your life like I do. Um, but I bet if you were to um, much like your show tries to do uh, interview people that are not okay with the status quo, there's a real drive and a real competition to, to be, um, to be their best, um, which then allows you to be considered the best or, or world-class at what you do. Have you ever read uh, Tim Grover's book, uh, winning? Uh, no, but I've read relentless. Okay. Um, and I, I, um, I like that book a lot. If, if I, I could just, if I could just give you one recommendation, I, I wrote, I read both of those books. I actually rode, rode. I actually read winning first, and then I went back to the other one. In my personal estimation, Anders, winning is way better uh, than than that first one by Tim Grover. So if you have some time to listen to it or something, just try to try to check out winning yeah. because uh, it's it's a it's a powerful read. And you you're already talking about all that, but I think it's something just with Michael Jordan's life and Dwayne Wade's life and their yeah. personal trainer, Tim Grover. I, I think you would, you would enjoy it if you, if you can find the time to fit it in, but um, yeah, anyways, I love audiobooks because I don't have to sit down. I can just yeah. listen to them while I'm walking. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and podcasting's right in that same uh, echelon. Now, yeah. um, once you graduated from uh, high school, uh, did you go to college? Where did you go to college? What did you study? What did life look kind of like in the immediate future post high school Anders for you? 
Yeah, I'll uh, I'll actually just back this up because high school was um, high school was actually the turning point. College to me was some box that I checked that was. In hindsight, I probably learned a lot more about social skills than I did of academics. Um, but yeah, I, I um, in search of bigger ponds, I played ice hockey for a very long time um, and was like widely considered one of the the best players in my state. Um, if not in the entire mid-Atlantic region. Um, and I say that because I was accepted into like national tournaments to represent the mid-Atlantic um, only to find out that I sucked and not just kind of sucked. Like I sucked a lot. I was not good at ice hockey, even though over a multi-state grid of the United States, I was widely considered one of the best players in my region. Um, and I know that because when I went to those national tournaments and I played kids from the Northeast and I played kids from Minnesota and I played kids from all these places that are very cold, um, get your ass kicked. <laughs> and all of a sudden you go, maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm only good because I live in this place called Virginia where it never snows and they don't play ice hockey outside all the time. And the hockey season is like a four month long thing in between baseball and soccer and golf and whatever else. And hockey is a way of life for many, many people um, across cold places. Um, and uh, so I, I got, I got recruited to go play um, and in prep schools in Massachusetts. So I left home at 14 um, and that's really where like the learning the learning started like um that was that was the that was the self-reflection of going i'm not good at this i'm i'm i went from being the best to not even making the team and i haven't hit puberty i'm i'm away from home like an eight and a half hour drive away from home um i'm by myself and now i gotta go figure out how to do all of this stuff like how do i get better at hockey how do i actually go to private school with kids that have been in private school their whole life. Like I felt dumb. I felt unathletic. I didn't have any friends. I was shy. I was homesick. Like all of those things um, create the turning point where your parents sit you down and you go, Hey, this thing isn't going well. Like you don't have to go back for your sophomore year if you don't want to. Like they know it's not going well. And I just had to go get better. I had to go figure out how to make friends. Um, like I say that, you know how easy it is to make friends when you lead the league and goals and assists and points, like everybody on your team loves you. You have all the friends. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, look, all this stuff is great. But if you score the most goals, it's the easiest thing in the world to find friends. Everyone wants to be your friends with you. If you hit the most home runs, like it's easy, uh, it's probably not the best lesson to tell my kids, but it's reality of life. Like, look, if you can hit the ball harder than everyone else, teamwork's great. Passing the ball is great, but everybody wants to be friends with the dude that scores the most goals. Um, so let's go learn how to score goals. Uh, parenting 101, right? Um, but I, I got to school and, and I sucked. Like, I sucked at everything. I was with a bunch of kids that had, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars behind their, their elementary educations. Um, I had never been away from home that far for that long. And but I still decided to go back. And when I went back, I, I, I could take you to my dorm room realizing like, I gotta learn how to make a friend, man. This sucks. Like 
all these, all these tools that I had of being good at sports and having big friends. And now I'm on freaking JV hockey team, like a loser. I'm, I'm, I got no friends. I got nothing. Um, and I had to go figure that out. I had to go figure out where I fit in. I had to go, I had to go do all this like work. Um, but in figuring out the pieces of those puzzles, instead of hiding from it or instead of running from it and facing it head on now, a lot of stuff just, you know, you mentioned college. College was a joke. College was a joke. And college was a joke because all the things that everybody is going through in college, of like finding themselves, being away from home for the first time, uh, inter- being introduced to like the fact that you have freedom and alcohol shows up and drugs show up and all these things that are like, you know, I saw cocaine for the first time when I was a junior in high school. And I was like, that shit's not for me for sure. I don't even know what it is, but that is not for me. That does not, I don't want that. Um, like all that stuff is just, it was, I was, I was so beyond all of that by the time I showed up to college because I, I dealt with it for four years in a much more vulnerable time in life than 18. I was dealing with it at 14. Um, and all of that stuff is like, in the long run, like I, I look back on, um, you know, things happen to me in my, in my life today and they've happened, they happen all the time. Right. But you're like, when stuff happens to you, you try to draw a parallel to another time in life when that thing in a different that showed up, even though it showed up in a different way, like when did, when was the last time you, or the first time you felt like super vulnerable or when was the first time you felt like um, you just, you, um, you like, you felt alone or you just, you, you felt like there wasn't a path forward and all of that stuff still happens. It all still happens, but I've built this library of trust with myself that I'll be fine and that I will be able to do it. I will be able to go make the friends. I will be able to make the varsity hockey team. I will be able to have a successful career. I will be able to get over this homesickness. I will be able to get to college. I will be able to go get my MBA. I will be able to go open a business. I trust myself that I'll be able to go do these things. And because of that that one experience, I have a four-year head start on all of the other people that had to go learn how to trust themselves. And that's like a superpower. I just trust myself because I've been through a bunch of stuff and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, if you just say like, oh, I went to prep school in Massachusetts and I was away from home. You say that at 40 years old and people are like, oh, this is like a, a privileged life you live. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like my parents sold everything. I didn't have a college, like whatever college money was around was definitely got spent in high school. Um, like we're just regular people, but we took bigger risks and they all paid off because not because someone handed it to us, but it was like, I had to go figure it out. So you just, most of life is just trying to figure this thing out. And how do you aim it in the right direction and pay attention to the right things and focus and not get distracted? Um, because almost everything is just a distraction when you know what you want. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, getting into weight training, I think, as a teenager. Why don't you talk about that? Because obviously, the entirety of your story, weight training, has been a, a, a part or a big part of, of that story of yours, So, um, especially into, into adulthood, right? So talk about the introduction of weight training for you, Anders, and how, yeah. it's, uh, 
how it changed your life, how it shaped your life and how, whatever else you want to add to that. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the end point of this story is that, um, without weightlifting, uh, nothing I haven't, I would, I would have a significantly different life. Um, I would, I would be a completely different person. Um, every opportunity from the person I married to the businesses I've had and own today, uh, the people I work with every ounce of my life, like from to the fact that I, I bred two humans with my current wife, I wouldn't even have the same kids that I have right now. I'm sure they'd be cool, but not nearly as cool. Um, just because they come and try and lift weights with me, that makes them cooler. Um, but literally everything that I have in my life is due to weightlifting. Um, and if you were to unwind the clock 27 years, there's a very vulnerable 13 year old boy that is about to leave home in six months and go play ice hockey with people that are 19 years old that shave and I haven't hit puberty and they've been drafted into the NHL already out of high school. And I don't even know that's coming. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even have exposure to worlds like that to understand what I'm about to walk into. Um, so you're gonna, you can imagine a a world in which you are preparing for the biggest moment of your what you consider to be illustrious career in a sport um, that you think you're good at, knowing that the people you're about to go play with are better than you, but not realizing how much better they are, how much more developed they are how much more physically gifted they are, how much faster they are because you've never seen it in your life. And my dad actually, by the grace of whatever God, like I just, uh, I had somebody that could teach me how to squat. Um, I had somebody that in my life that was training really hard, that knew a lot of people in town that could teach me things. Um, I trained with the the wrestling team my first year. Um, then I trained with my dad for three years after that. Um, and um, it, it, it's not like weightlifting to me was a, um, it's not like on day one of being 13 years old, I was like, I'm going to do this forever. I, I had a lot of resistance towards it. It was like, uh, I kind of had this, like, I don't need that. I'm already, I'm already good at this thing. Um, and then even when I, um, I, it just, it, I did it, I did it cause I was supposed to, but I didn't really like understand all of it. Um, much less did I have any understanding how all the pieces fit together and, and things like that. Um, I would say the, the, the real turning point for me was like, um, I was, and this is like seven years into lifting. Like, that's how long I just kind of like did it. Um, I did it. I got to college and I kind of did it and I ran a lot, like just tried to stay active, but I was like partying. It was freshman, sophomore year of college. And um, so it was like, it was part of my life, but I wasn't like, there was no intent. There was no real intent. Um, but my junior year, I got a, a, um, I got a, an internship in Washington, DC. Um, and that was really the turning point of all of it. Uh, that was the first time I made the choice to not. So if you are an intern, you're in Iowa, right? Correct. Yep. So if you are a, if you are in Washington, DC in an internship, uh, during the summer, you basically are in like the biggest hub 
of people trying to go to happy hour, shake hands, and hope something magical happens in their life. Like every single 20-year-old, 21-year-old is happy houring every day, hoping to meet some senator or congressman or something that's going to give them a free pass to getting a job in Washington at the end of the year. And that could be like in the private sector. That could be in the public sector. It doesn't matter. Everyone is there to hopefully meet the right person. And um, there's very soon in that process, I realized like, I don't want to be a part of that at all. And instead of going and doing that every day, which I would have been very good at, um, instead of going and doing that, I signed up at Gold's Gym and chose training and eating well and getting that part of my life together when I was by myself in Northern Virginia. It's the easiest thing to do to go to the bar. Uh, I chose to go to Gold's and lift weights and eat well and, and like, start doing it on my own. And, um, and then I got back to college and my senior year, one of my roommates uh, turned out to be the best man at my wedding and the guy that I opened my first gym with. Uh, and we trained together all senior year. He was like light years ahead of me. His name's Brian Borstein. You should totally have him on. He's great. Yeah. Um, but he, um, he was, uh, he had found the internet and like chat forums, like, had, had like written a book on teenage strength development. And I was like, whoa, dude, like, let's do this. Um, and he was significantly stronger than me. So I was getting beat all the time. And if you're in the gym, getting beat all the time, there's only one way to go do it. You start eating, you start training, and you try to beat the other person because competition matters and being in second place sucks. So how do you go get better? We got to go train. And that's what I started doing. Um, and because I had already had like a, a base of strength from high school, um, now I had a base of strength plus intent. And that's a pretty deadly combo if you want to be good at something. And um, once I graduated, this thing called CrossFit happened. And now all of a sudden, I had a decade of training behind me already. I had a the intent to be very strong and a sport showed up. And that combination just took all this to the next level because now not only was I um, like, I do not fit in with people that play kickball, like this whole pickleball craze. I'm sure it's awesome, but fuck if I'm going to be out there on a pickleball court playing with a bunch of 90 year olds, like I'm an athlete. I do not want to be out there with you playing half tennis. It's just not my thing. Um, I just don't want to do it. And I'm sure it's a blast. I, I, I'm sure people love it. And I'm sure it's actually, I, I just don't want to play kickball. I don't want to play slow pitch softball. It's like we, we dumbed this thing down because everyone got fat and out of shape. So let's play, let's play half the game. Mm. I don't want to do that. I want to go play with people that are trying to win. Mm. And at the time, and I'm sure it still is to some degree, CrossFit was a, an underground thing for people that like lifting weights and wanted to compete with each other on who was better at lifting weights. And it couldn't have been a better scenario because I walked in with a decade of strength training experience and I was ready to rock. And I was pretty good at it right away. Um, and then I had four friends that I trained with every day and we tried to kill each other. Like it was every day we were going at each other. Um, and because of that environment, we got very good at it. Um, and then when I went to grad school, I actually joined my first CrossFit gym 
which was really awesome because then I had a whole group of people to compete against. Um, and then life got weird because I was like, uh, I broke up with my girlfriend of three and a half years that I was likely supposed to marry or something like that. Um, she moved uh, to China. I moved to San Diego. And um, three months later, I was like, well, I don't want to go back to my job. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go back to Northern Virginia. I don't. I, I knew all the things that I didn't want to do. And then I was like, what am I actually good at? And the only place that anybody ever respects me and cares about my opinion, asks for my advice, wants, you know, like before the internet, if you wanted to get someone to write your training program, you had to have a friend that was in shape. Like you had to go like, hey, Anders, can you, can you write me a workout program? I'm like, sure. And then my buddy, Brian, who I opened the gym with, like him and I were like the fitness people right. in our friend group. So we were like writing programs for people, writing nutrition. We were, we were doing all this stuff. And you go, well, I, I'm confident when I do that. People respect me in the gym. They think I'm strong. I'm, I'm pretty good at this CrossFit thing. Let's go do it. Let's go all in. And that's what we did. 2010, we opened a gym. Three gyms later, we sold them. Um, and I went through the full, you know, full gamut of 12 years of CrossFit uh, from like very, very beginning to uh, when it started to be very average. Um, but you know, that led to barbell shrugged that led to where we are. like every, every ounce of, I, I can't think of a single thing in my life at this point, 27 years later, this will be my 27th summer in a row of lifting weights. Like you can't do anything for three to five days a week in your life for 27 years and think that anything that you do in your day-to-day -day life now isn't only because of that, whatever that widget was that you picked up that day. Um, without it, nothing, nothing exists. Hmm. Well, something exists. It's just a, in a it's in a, a, a parallel universe that I don't want to be a part of. Right, right, right. Okay. Now um, we're, we're going to, uh, cause you know, obviously there's the barbell shrugged and all these different things. And, you know, you, you've been on other podcasts, you, you have your own podcast, like you've talked about all this stuff kind of at, uh, you know, in, in, in length. So I want to kind of take a different path with the rest of our conversation. Uh, now, uh, in terms of recently, how, how has your, you, you went through that 12 year period, you said of CrossFit, before that, you were, I'm, I'm assuming, doing more of like sports, sports specific bodybuilding type split training. What does your training look like now? And why have you kind of transitioned, if you have, out of more of the, the CrossFit stuff? Can you uh, elaborate on that, Anders, please? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a, I think this is going to happen to me in business too. Um, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But, um, <clears throat> Again, where my my high school experience uh, being the first time all of these like call them like macro phases of life happen, right? There's like the the macro phase where you just like learn all of these big skills and you don't even know their skills. So like, um, I played my whole high school hockey career out. I knew how good I was. Like I, I actually found out because I went and did it. There's no, there's no regrets about it. There's no like what could have been or should have been or if this thing had broke this way, then I could have. No, 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 no. I played it to the end. I was 
very average at best. Even if I had like, it's just, it's just where it is. Um, when I, when I got to, um, and, and when I say I played it to the end, I put everything that I was willing to put into it. Um, with all of the information that I had, I was all in, I did it. Like I, I left home. I played at a very high level. I play, I was like the seventh forward on the number two team that set the school record for most consecutive wins in a row my senior year. And that record still stands 25 years or 22 years later. Um, I, I played it till the end. It was as good as I could be with the skill set and the body that I have. When I got to the end of the CrossFit, that was it. I knew how good I was going to be. I went to regionals four times. I own three gyms. I know I know everything there is to know based off of like, I, I went all in. I did it. I got to the end. I, I saw what I would have to give to get incrementally better and it was not worth doing it. My body was broken down. Um, but most importantly, I you you learn to objectively look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I'm pretty much at the end. Like, I don't, I just, I don't see myself doing more wall balls to get better. Like, it's, I, 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 so I can't even walk into CrossFit gyms anymore because everybody wants to talk about it. It's like going back to a high school party. It's like, you want to do a keg stand? No, I don't want to do a keg stand. Are you kidding me? I'm going to sleep terribly. Like, I'm going to do all this. I got, I got kids to, like, I can't do a keg stand. That's how I feel going into them. That's why I can't do that. I can't do it. Um, it's it's not that there's anything inherently wrong specifically with CrossFit. It's like it's like going into a high school reunion that I don't want to be a part of. Um, and it changes too because I have a different life. Like I'm not 28 years old trying to prove my worth through a barbell. I have many other responsibilities that are not just me. Um, and CrossFit overall um if you have a base of fitness and an understanding you don't need it there's so much easier ways to do it you can go lift weights intelligently eat intelligently get the body that you like you can go run a little bit you can go run some wind sprints a little bit and get all the benefits without snatching 135 pounds 30 times as fast as you possibly can and i get it that is like a thing. I did it. I preached it. I loved it. All of it. I, I would have. I would have stood on Greg Glassman's uh, doorstep with a megaphone, screaming how important this man was to the world. Like I get it. Um, but I'm 40 now. When I was 36, I I stopped, and um, that was when I knew I should I should have sold my gyms and recognized the patterns of life of knowing that you're at the end. Um, but I missed it by like a year selling the gyms it probably cost me a couple hundred grand, but either way, um, the, I, it, I just, you just get to the end and now I just want to lift weight. Like I'm longevity, dude. I want to lift weights to keep my bone mineral density. Like I want to lift weights to keep muscle mass. I want to be lean so that I don't have problems. Like I want my wife to be attracted to me, but she doesn't care if I have abs. She just wants me to be healthy so I can pick the kids up. Like, there's so many more like um like if, if right now you had like 
some absurd amount of money, whatever that number is to you, if there's a number, you could just live off that for the rest of your life. You don't need to do, if, if you feel like you've accomplished everything and got to the number that you wanted to get to financially in your life to make you well off enough that you can go fuck off in the mountains and have fun and ski and live at Vail and whatever is your dream. You played it to the end to get to the thing that you wanted and then you have to make the next decision. Do you want to re-go all in? Do you want to like, do you want to be like, uh, say no to everything else to be able to understand what the next level of achievement is? And if you don't, that's fine. Um, and I don't know where I am on that, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what that looks like at the end of business for me, um, mainly because I feel like I have so much to learn and I'm actually just starting to understand it 13 years later. Um, but you have to, um, you have to like, you have to kind of, you got to go play the game. And it's okay if you go, hey, I got to the end and the next phase of this thing isn't for me. Like, I, I, I don't know where that is for me right now, but, um, and I can't remember the beginning of the question that got me on this rant, but um, I, I think that it's important to just, to play the game till the end. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to the end, you go, well, I, I can go farther. Well, what do I need to put into it to get to the next level? What is the uh, what is the incremental value or importance of getting to that next level? Will it change my life? Like, would it would it have changed my life if I played D three hockey? No, it wouldn't have at all. If anything, it would have been no, it would have been great. It would have been super fun, but like, for it just it just wouldn't have done anything. I would have sucked at another level. I would have like known that I sucked. So why keep going down? When I when I finished CrossFit, I was done. And I, I have friends that go to the CrossFit. There's a CrossFit gym a mile from my house. I've rode my skateboard before and I literally can't go down there. And it's not because they're bad people. It's not because I hate CrossFit. It's because I don't want to walk into a keg party and ask, be asked to do a keg stand. I don't want it. I don't want to do wall balls. I don't want to snatch. I want to just maintain some muscle mass and be able to play with my kids, man. Like I just, in, in that question, when you, when you change the question of success or the cha change, the, the trajectory of where you want to go, you get to go decide a different path. And then all of the other paths, they're just not aligned. So it's like nails on chalkboard trying to go do this stuff and more power to everybody whose life has been changed by CrossFit. My life has been changed by CrossFit. Without trying to be extremely good at CrossFit, I wouldn't have had nearly the success we had at the gym. I wouldn't have had nearly the following that we had. We wouldn't have had CrossFit HQ coming to our gym all the time to record and do workout demos and have uh, our coaching staff be on their traveling seminar staff and copywriters from our gym being and then legal people. Like we had, we had like seven or eight employees from CrossFit on our staff at our gym because we went all in. We did it. And for me to think that I want to go to the next level in CrossFit, you got to kind of, you look at it and you go, that's not the path, man. I got to go figure out the next one, but that's not it. That's for sure not it. And you got to start back over. Excellent. Okay, uh, how did you meet your wife? Uh, and then um, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about, about family because obviously that's a big part of this next season and transition of your life. So, how did you meet your wife? And then uh, you know, talk about uh, your guys's uh, choice to start having kids and and uh, just kind of building that family. What's what's that going to look like uh, going forward? 
uh, going forward, it looks like we're done. <laughs> After my second one, if there were, if McDonald's had a drive-through vasectomy spot, I would have hit that up on the way. Um, no, I met my wife like every good gem owner does by dating their clients. Um, there's actually a, a, a better story to it that um, I, um, when you live a purposeless life, um, or when you're in a purposeless time trying to figure out the next stages, it's you're looking for cheap thrills when it comes to females, cheap thrills. That's all they are. There's nothing long-term about it. And one day I just got sick of my, my cheap thrill self and decided like one, I need to stop sleeping with clients at my gym. That's really, really bad. Um, and then two, I need to just grow up because, um, I am currently an unmarryable person. Like I am, I am, I am the definition of somebody that nobody wants to uh, commit resources in their own life over a, for a long period of time to. Um, so after my last ex-girlfriend, uh, I basically didn't, I just, just went like it's not like I intentionally went celibate, but I just didn't want to go date anybody because I needed to change as a person. I knew that if I went from that one to the next one, it was just going to be the same shit. Um, and um, so I changed, and I just didn't date anybody for six months. Like I just instead of going out on Saturday night uh, to meet people, I just didn't. And instead of like seeing some new hot girl in San Diego walk into my gym, I stopped. I didn't do it. I just changed fundamentally who I was and how I wanted to be seen. Um, and it worked. I say it worked because it, that's what happens when you intentionally do things with the goal of growing as a better person. Um, so I became marriable. And the next girl that I met after I resurfaced in the kind of like mental transformation and, and life transformation of that six months, I met my wife. It's not that, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's just, that's uh, when you do the work and you, you truly start to live your life with different intent, it, it appears very quickly, um, but you gotta go do the work first. Um, and yeah, we got married. We, it was great. I mean, it still is great. It's hard. It's great. Also, um, most, most things that are great are also very hard. Um, having kids was at, I would say like at that, st at, at, at the stage that I was ready to have kids, it was the first, uh, it was like, again, a transformation of like, I'm, I'm now ready to have kids. Like I, I know what it's like to ramble this earth, uh, and do it solo and uh, not have a home and not have uh, anybody to answer to. I know what that's like for sure. I've lived in, I think at one point in time and from leaving home at 14 to actually landing in San Diego at 27, um, I had like 26 different bedrooms or something like that over a 13 year period. Um, like just from random places that I moved for a couple months to grad school to like, it just like, I'm all over the place. Um, but you just get to a place where you go. Yeah. Like that is the, that is the thing. Like I'm, I, people don't just like keep having kids because like there's, there's an innate thing that happens inside you where you're like, it's time for me to breed. Like, um, 
it's it's a long it's a it's a hard process most people aren't uh, you're never ready for it but like uh, there's a reason we keep doing it there's a reason why that peak experience is such a peak experience for us and it's because it's the highest of highs it's the hardest of times like you're you're going through you one second you'll look at your kid and you want to strangle it um and then you know, sometimes you're up at 4am and then you go, well, I guess this is the fourth night in a row. I'm here. I should probably just start working. And you just, now you work at 4am. Um, like it's hard, but also they'll look at you sometimes and they're like, daddy. And you're like, holy shit. You're like the coolest little thing ever. Like you just throw a ball and you're like, Oh, where'd you learn your alphabet? How'd that happen? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh it's it's phenomenal like it's cool and it, it adds complexity to everything but you're definitely um if your goal in life is to be selfish and only do what you want to do that's a lonely path so uh with speaking specifically on your your kids um for you and your wife do you guys have like certain like values or very intentional uh you know, things that you kind of want to instill in your kids or, or can you, can you talk about like that? Because I know, um, you know, I think some parents kind of just parent like, uh, whatever, some people parent very intentionally, uh, talk about just maybe some values or what you guys are aiming to instill in your kids from day one, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say that that, that conversation, <laughs> although maybe having a formal conversation about like family values is a thing, um, one of my, one of my old clients, um, probably said it best of like lessons are caught, not taught. Mm. Um, I, 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 I've never like sat down and been like in the Varner family, we focus on integrity and they're like, what are you talking about? Um, but I, like, I don't know what other people do, but I, I also like every time they eat dinner, I tell them where the protein is, and why it's so important. And that the, the apple is a carbohydrate and what it does. And the cashews are fats and what they do. Um, and they see me in this garage all the time. Um, like this is, this is like where I live my life, basically. Like they can't go into our house without seeing a gym. They know that I work out here. Um, they like to lift the light dumbbells. They like to come and play around. They like to do flips and stuff on the, on the barbell. Like my daughter's name is engraved on the barbell, um, from a trip that we did in to Aleko in Sweden. And I got to like make it and she was there, which is rad. Like, um, it would be very challenging for them to grow up in a, in, and not understand the importance of movement and nutrition. And I'm not even saying, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, my kids are paleo and we don't eat chicken nuggets because of the bread. Like I'm a, I'm a real human being here too. That's like, go to bed, go to bed, please just eat your dinner, please. Like, please, I will just do the minimum, please. Um, but they know what I eat. They see how I eat. They see how I train. They know that I train all the time. They know that this is where I, I, I have a desk in this thing, I've built my entire garage to like, you can't see it, but there's a sauna, there's tons of gear over there, all the cardio equipment's over there. Um, like 
they they basically walk into a relatively like high end uh, training facility just to go into the kitchen and and come in from outside every day. So like their their eyeballs are trained to see what it looks like when you when you value uh, fitness nutrition. Uh, the mindset of it, I, I teach them about, I try to teach them about competition all the time. I try to teach them um, just the the framework of hard work. Um, I, I, there's there's pieces of me that I think um, I'm just old and also pieces of me that I just, uh, I maybe have seen enough things. But I think that like, just the general idea of like accepting that you suck and that it's your responsibility to actually become a valuable piece of society is lost on just so much of people today. Like you see these like 22 year old people on the news, fucking storming Congress, demanding respect. And they've done jack shit in their life. And you're like, what in the fuck is wrong with you? You are worth nothing. You have brought zero value to this world, but because you're weird, you think the whole world needs to fucking cater to you. Why don't you just go do something valuable? Like be a valuable part of society. And that is what I want my kids to know is that you don't deserve anything until you create value in this world. And then you don't have to worry about what you get because now you are in alignment and you are rewarded for the value that you bring to this world. So whatever you're complaining about, no one's listening. I do not care. Go work harder and develop skills and get better. And that's, it's, it's so simple. But whining and complaining, I, I have no patience for it at all. Excellent. Okay, I'm, I want to be respectful of your time. We're going to, I'm going to ask you uh, one final question, Anders, and then um, we'll get you out of here. So uh, kind of the uh, tagline for the podcast is conversations with those in pursuit of more. So uh, kind of what I want to uh, end with is what are you cur- currently pursuing or in pursuit of? Um, how big would you like me to go on this? You you go as big as you want to go and take as much as time as, as you want. I'm in no hurry. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I am currently. um in the process of trying to understand um, <clears throat> how do I um, man, that's a great question. If, if this was an easy answer, um, I don't think it would be worth um, <laughs> there's there's like a the, the vulnerability of telling the truth and what what like goes goes uh well on a show maybe um i want you to be candid yeah i um (laughs) i want to live a great life i want to um i want to truly understand what freedom feels like and that um my wife and i have a vision for what we would like to do for the rest of our lives um and that vision is uh probably not a normal vision for many people it's just something that her and I have talked about for a very long time and, and things that her and I do for fun. Um, and all of the decisions we're going to be making for the next decade, maybe decade, a little bit more, 
um, are going to be like structuring a family and making decisions on what is best for our family. So what I, um, what I often think about the most is like, how do I make financially responsible decisions based around the goals of our family? Um, so like I grew up, I, I didn't grow up on the, the West coast, but I, I start, I, I say I'm from the West coast in San Diego. Cause that was like when I started really taking my life seriously. Um, I love skiing or snowboarding. I loved going to park city. I loved going to Tahoe. I loved going to mammoth. Those were like massive parts of my life. Um, I want my kids to have massive parts of their life to do that. Um, but I also am 13 years into business. Um, I have some financial resources and I'd like to, uh, if you think about just kind of like, how would you like to go on vacation with your family? Um, or like what, what experiences would you like to do with them? And luckily, um, I, I, I feel like in, in the wealth building or in the financial, uh, piece of life and understanding all of that, like, I think that we have, we're in a great neighborhood. We have a lot of the like basic levels met. Um, but if I would like to go on vacation over the next decade, wouldn't it be cooler if like I, I had a, a house that I rented out to people at a ski resort or uh, the beach living at San Diego was like so important to me. I surfed all the time. It was like a massive part of my life. And then I moved to the middle of North Carolina and none of that exists but like, I still want my kids to grow up around the beach. So it's a much more financially intelligent decision for me to be able to buy a condo at the beach. So I have it there for myself to have the experiences where I'm not paying somebody else's mortgage, but now I have people paying my mortgage and I can rent that place out um, to them. And then it still is mine. And the same thing when it comes to ski resorts, it comes, it's the same thing when it comes to, um, you know, do I want to go uh, have a place in the mountains or do I want like, um, the ability to kind of say like, these are the experiences that I would like to do with my family. What are the, the most, uh, value driven ways that I can go do those things so that, um, I'm providing the experience. I'm providing the financial side of it. I have a long-term outlook to, to life and, and the way money is the, the game of money is played. Um, and how can I integrate all of those pieces into one thing, which is, creating awesome experiences for my family and kids. Um, now, if you were to look 15 years out, now we've got kids graduating high school and things like that. It's the exact same thing, except now that game gets played of how do I create experiences with my wife that we have wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and now that gets into the, the things that her and I value, the places that we would like to go, the stuff that we would like to do, um, the travel we would want to go with you. Um, all that stuff is farther out, but it's also like it's 15 years is going to fly by. I've been an entrepreneur for 13 years and I could go back and show you the exact place that I was standing when I ran my first class and tell you every step of the way. And most of the people that came in and that was about 13 years ago. Um, so those are like, um, the answer to that question is is um, really about aligning all of the pieces of life that are important to you, um, which is mostly experiences, and then 
building systems around that so that you're systematically teaching your kids how to go snowboard. You're systematically teaching your kids about getting out to a plot of land and being able to, to camp and, and go hiking and, and know what it's like to get dirty and do all those things. And if I want my kids to learn how to surf, I need a place near an ocean um, and systematically being able to go create those skills and um, experiences. And I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I've, I wouldn't say lucky, um, but I would say that there's clearly luck involved in it. Um, but it's like, 13 years later, I've just, I've, I've learned enough to be able to get to a place where I'm able to have those thoughts. And those are, that's really where the thoughts go is how do I align the experiences in life that I'd like to have uh, with the freedom that money allows and to systematically not just have the experiences, but also be able to um, make good financial decisions so that um, we can do it on our own terms and, and build wealth along the way while we're having those experiences. Cool. Love it. Um, before I do a quick outro, Anders, and let you go, where do you want to kind of uh, direct people to connect with you and uh, find out more about all the things that you're involved with? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can follow me. I'm, I'm very uh, not on Instagram that much, um, but anybody can send me a message. I always get back to you. I'm, I've been very proud of myself. I could basically delete the app at this point in life, which is great. Um, but um I, I still get in there to check dms and and see what's going on um but uh i'm at anders varner if you want to listen to our podcast uh barbell shrugged new episodes come out every single wednesday and um if you want to work with us uh, we run a very cool health optimization company with dr Andy galpin dan garner i highly recommend going and and um, checking out their stuff galpin just did a six episode series on the huberman lab podcast and um, we work with just super high achieving human beings um, that want to optimize their their health and performance from the inside out, outside in. So we handle training, sleep, nutrition, supplementation, uh, run tons of labs on people and really uh, just dig, take the deep dive into everything that people have going on in their lives and then, and then coach them through that process. So um, we call it high precision luxury health and performance. Um, we, we only have 100 clients a year. And if there's any immediacy to taking action right now, um, we have 24 spots open for the rest of the year. So our wait list is out until October right now, um, which is very cool. And uh, you can get over to rapidhealthreport.com, which is where uh, you can see like a, a 60 minute video of what uh, one of the deliverables that we, we bring to you, which is a full video of labs, lifestyle and performance analysis from Dr. Andy Galpin and Dan Garner. Awesome. Uh, Anders, thanks so much for coming on, man. I know you got a lot going on, but thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit of your story. Okay. This is great, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just going to do a really quick outro and then I'll let you go. Okay. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, thank you for all of you who are tuning into another episode of Curious and Candid. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Value all of you. If you guys want to uh, connect with myself on uh, this side of things with Curious and Candid, uh, you can uh, reach out through Instagram, Curious and Candid. And then also, if you think you'd be a great guest, or if you have a, a friend or an acquaintance or somebody you think would be a great guest for Curious and Candid, or if you just want to connect uh, with myself through email, I'm always down to connect with uh, great human beings. Uh, just go ahead, send an email uh, to me at uh, curiousandcandid at gmail.com. 
Uh, again, appreciate all of you guys tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid. We're on all the major podcast platforms. So uh, make sure you subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Appreciate all of you. We'll catch you guys next time.